I think innovation is inspiring.、Uh, I think it's it's like imagine that you can create the future that you want to see tomorrow. If you can envision the possibility of it, then you can see that come to fruition, and that's what innovation is. That's why it's just transforming ideas into value. Like, so we don't just sit with the ideas and they're just floating around. It it is actually manifested into reality. That's the process of innovation: is to actually see that idea come to life. Those ideas coming to life are the results of Leo Chan's firm belief that everyone is an innovator. And his personal mission is to create space, opportunity, and practice for everyone to believe it to be true as well, and then to make it so in their lives. Leo is a people and heart-first entrepreneur and the founder of Abound Innovation. An innovator himself, Leo holds 55 U.S. patents and over 20 years of experience supporting organizations looking to unleash the innovative potential of their employees by transforming them into confident innovators. A glance at Leo's schedule of appearances, speaking at conferences, and delivering hands-on workshops is evidence of the value placed upon innovation and creativity in our world today. I was fortunate enough to catch up with him for a conversation, quite literally, between events. Our paths crossed、um, as a result of a generous introduction made by one of my previous guests, Krista Monson. And understanding the nature of this podcast and and these conversations, she urged me to take this opportunity to meet you as an inspiring, highly creative guy whose perspective on work and play she found incredibly refreshing. So, Leo, thank you for joining me in conversation this morning. It's an honor to be here, and I thank Krista for making the introduction. Thank you, Krista. <laughs> you know, when you and I first talked,、um, you shared that your career pathway was. A bit of a mystery, even to yourself, and I have to wonder how often we pass up on the mystery, thinking that somehow it should all be laid out much more intentionally,、um, even before we could possibly know what each option or pathway holds for us. And、uh, so, for the sake of, of of point of entry, I'm wondering if 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 you might just share a little about how your line of the line of your career to this point has been drawn, and and. You know, here you are, where you're much, you're a much sought-after speaker on the 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 concept and idea of innovation. Yes, I did not plan my career like this, and、uh, it kind of just happened. So, <laughs> so I could tell you, I even the degree that I chose to study in university, I kind of had a couple options, and I was just hoping for one and. Uh, and and going from there, so I applied to design school、uh, when I was in high school, and that was my first point of choice. And if I wasn't, I was going to go into IT, which was quite different,、uh, but still computer related in my mind. So, but I thankfully was accepted into design school, and I think that really has directed my path, if you will, from a career point of view. So I ended up doing design school, ended up in design, doing design, and really enjoyed it. And what I found with that industry was that, at least here in Toronto, it was a very vol- volatile industry. I worked worked with design agencies, but、um, at the time, the ones at least that I worked for had volatility. I had a mortgage. I was married, and I decided that I wanted to still do creative work, but not in a volatile industry. So I ended up at State Farm Insurance Canada, of all places, <laughs> to work. <laughs> And、it's、so a bit of irony just, in that. It's isn't it? a little, <laughs> isn't it? Though, right? But I was like, I'm not going to sell my creative soul to corporate. I'm not going to let it go.、Um, and so I was able to exercise my creative muscles at State Farm Canada,、um, doing design work. And then two and a half years into that 
role, they said, hey, uh, unfortunately, the department's going through a reorg, your job's going away. And I knew that I did not want to go into underwriting or claims because that's just not me. It is for some, just not for me. And I wanted to stay sort of on the creative side. And so they said, hey, well, we'll move our best talents to the United States. And if you're willing to apply, you can see what happens. And so I threw my name in the hat. And to my surprise, they selected me <laughs> and uh, found out on uh, in October of 2011. And then two, two, basically two and a half months later, I, I moved my wife and myself to America. And we were in a different country and a uh, completely new place, left all our family and friends. It was a, kind of a crazy thing to do. But what happened was when I moved there in January, in March of the same year, State Farm had a lunch and learn, and there was they just launched the innovation department at State Farm Insurance on the corporate side. And I was like, what is this? And I was just enamored by what I heard. And so I'm like, I have to do this. And so I put my hand up. I was like, I'm getting there whether they want me or not. Like, I am, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> and so I was then uh, asked to lead a two-year project. So I led the two-year project. But literally after I finished, I'm like, I am coming now. <laughs> You're taking me in. And they did. And so I joined the State Farm Innovation Department and I fell in love with innovation. And uh, to me, it was an infusion of creativity, new thinking, business, technology, and everything in between. And I just, I fell in love with this innovation thing. And I never knew it was a career. I really didn't. I I think what I learned from my time in design was that I just loved creativity. I loved being able to create possibility and express it in different ways. But I realized for me, it, it didn't have to just be visual. It could be in any other way. It could be in business. It could be with, you know, and so it didn't have to be a visual way of expression. And so when I met innovation, it just kind of aligned with all my other passions. And I'm like, this is it for me. And so I became an innovation person. I had no idea. I changed my career and I, I fell in love with it. And then and then about, I think it was about three and a half, four years into that, uh, my wife and I were kind of like, it might be time to move back to a big city. So by that time in my career, I was like, I fall, I love innovation. I'm doing this for the rest of my life. And mm. I found a position at Chick-fil-A corporate in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I applied to that and there I was. And um, I was in innovation. That's And that's how I got into innovation. It was just sort of following things, my intuition, I guess, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. of my gut of things that I realized that I really loved. I knew what I didn't love. And I just try to stick to the things that I loved. And I found innovation, innovation found me. And that's, and that's what I still do now to this day. So it's uh, mm. never would have thought. You <laughs> do what always, yeah, did, I, I mean, what I love about the story was that since uh, I kept hearing the notion and the sense of being drawn, that sense of intuition, yeah. being drawn, prodded, doors opening, without yeah. necessarily knowing that they, I think you said at one point, without even knowing they existed. Uh, so that sense of risk or the willingness to be open to surprise, has that always been a part of, of, of who you are now that you can look back with, uh, with hindsight? That's a that's a very interesting question, Greg. I actually don't. I like risk to a certain degree. There are certain risks that I don't like. So I don't like financial risk. I'm very risk adverse when it comes to finances. But I I've always loved exploration and um, trying things and discovering. Uh, I think I told you last time we spoke. I 
I watched Star Trek growing up as a kid, and I just that honestly I felt like was why I do what I do now was because it casted a vision for the future that didn't exist. And there's these wonderful technologies that I thought were like the coolest thing growing up. And this show celebrated boldness and exploration and trying new stuff and seeing what happens and all that. So I think I've always had kind of that within me, like. I grew up with the internet and um, websites becoming a thing, and I was fascinated fascinated by this new technology, this expression of communication. So I'm like, I'm just gonna. I had time on my hands, so I'm like, I'm gonna play with this stuff. I'm gonna learn websites and the art for it, and the coding and all this stuff. So I've always had sort of a very curious nature, and um, curiosity is exploration, right? We just explore what kind of is interesting to us and see where it leads. So uh, I think a lot of a lot of my journey into this innovation career has been of, of curiosity. So, so you're, as, as, as you said, I didn't even know that was a thing, innovation. Um, and obviously innovation probably means a great deal of different things when grabbed that by, by, you know, within the corporate world. For sure. What, what does it mean to you? What, what helped me to define innovation according to Leo? Yeah, I, I created my own definition, which is now, Innovation is creating a new future by transforming ideas. So kind of a two-parter, but the simpler definition is simply innovation is creating a new future. Yeah, but the second part of it really grounds it. Yeah, by transforming what? ideas into value. That's the how part of it. I think it, it, this is your definition. You've also talked about a, a manifesto. Is that the manifesto? Is that the statement that, that stands in as the innovator's manifesto? No, the Innovators Manifesto is kind of an inspirational call to rise up and to think differently and step into exploring possibility and doing things differently, pushing, challenging status quo, not not allowing the, the, the present to be the same and dreaming a bold future. It's kind of a, a nod to Star Trek's uh, intro video, but also to the Think Different campaign from Apple. So it's kind of my Leo's version of yeah, I love it. You've, you have said, I, I think that you, you have often hear people, you know, that you meet in conference sessions or on Zoom or wherever you're gathering in person or, or online, who will say, yeah, that's all great, but I'm not innovative, which yes. to my ear resonates with, yeah, yeah, no, that's really lovely for the artists, but I'm not creative. You know, how, how do you respond? <laughs> or I is it all the, the gauntlet time. dropped? <laughs> no, I uh, I hear it all the time, and it's surprising how often I hear it from and who says it to me. So I've heard both. I'm not an innovator, and I'm not creative. And they come out of um, – there's definitions for these in the world, or we have pictures of them in the world, and they're often communicated to us. So I think I'm on the journey of re-educating, if you will, what these words mean. So I've had – Innovators say they're not creative to me, and I've had creative people say they're not innovators to me. And I think it's really funny because to me, they're in some ways the same thing. Uh, I I always like to share this, share this story. I met uh, a, a woman who was working for this big startup. She was the director over, I think it was like food sciences or something like that. But I got to know her story and she said, you know, before I got to this organization, I used to work for Nestle. And I... I created products. And she's like, in fact, there's a product that is still on the retail shelf today that has outlived my career that is still for sale. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. And I was like, but you're, you, did you just say you're not an innovator? She's like, oh no, I'm not an innovator. And I'm like, uh, 
so I shockingly said, and I said, well, let me be the first to tell you, you are an innovator. The fact that you were able to create this product out of nothing that is still there. It's, I'm like, that's incredible. I'm like, I don't even have that. I call myself an innovator. And she was like, wow. And so her mind was blown. I was blown for different reasons. And so that happens. And then I've also had innovators tell me they're not creative. And I'm like, tell me more about that. Because to me, creativity is the ability to create ideas, right? So anybody can, and, and so anybody can innovate because anybody can create a new future, but also everybody's creative because we all have the ability to create an idea. Mm. Anybody does. Right. And, it, and it's just that the word creativity, we always tend to think about people in the fine arts. So the musicians, the writers, the dancers, the painters, and so on. And we call them the creatives, which thereby means if I'm not one of those type of professions, therefore I am not a creative. But that is just a expression of creativity in a specific way versus when we think about creativity as simply creating ideas. We all have done that. <laughs> at one point in our life. And so we all are born creative because we all can do that. We can all imagine new ways of doing something or a different way of doing something. You know, when we were children, we had what probably all of us had lots of imaginations and we can envision things that didn't exist. That's creativity expressed. So we're all creative and we all have the ability to be an innovator if we want to be. Uh, it's yeah. just learning the skills and the mindsets to become one. Yeah, and I think that mindset piece at the tech, how do we how do we rewrite the new story? How do how do we face the stories that we've that we've told ourselves, we've adopted, yeah. right? And it's yeah. not just I'm not creative. It's I I I don't do math. Math, math is hard or yeah. or you know whatever. In 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 and so much of it, unfortunately perhaps has come through our education programs as as top notch yeah. or not so as they might be. We've still gotten those messages loud and clear, or we have read them as such, interpreted the the signals, and and therefore. So, mm -hmm. so now shifting that to to action. How how do I how do you support me as somebody coming to you saying uh, I'm not an innovator? Yeah. <laughs> and you clearly see evidence of the contrary. There's so it's just like anything else. Like we were all taught to read, right? We all know how to read because we were taught to read. It just in our educational systems, we're not taught to be creative or we're not taught how to be innovative. And I was fortunate when I was at Chick-fil-A, I, I thought I could help you with that. <laughs> I led a program called Innovation Coaching and I taught people that were interested in the word innovation, I taught them how to be innovative. And at the time when I was at the organization, it was very ad hoc. So like I kind of created up my own events and we would have one-on-one -on -one conversations and we would talk about what does it mean to be an innovator? What does it mean to be creative? What does it mean to think differently? We would have robust conversations and I would have these workshops and events and things and you would see what I meant with these words. And I've since left Chick-fil-A three years ago. I have my own business now. And I've formalized that into a curriculum that I teach. So to, so to put some more meat to the bones, if you will, one of the ways in which we can be innovative is the ability to create a psychologically safe space for ourselves and for our teams. And this is really important because I, I think innovation is uh, exciting, but I also think it's terrifying at the same time because we're a human, right? And coming up with ideas and thinking differently and taking risk. We talked about that earlier. That's scary because none of nobody knows if something will work or not until we try. Right. And that inherently is fearful because 
there's, and especially when you involve other humans or social pressures or social dynamics, all those things. And so that's inherently scary. And I think what I realized over all my time in innovation is that innovation is human and there's not enough people talking about that side of it, that it's human. And so why I say creating a psychologically safe environment is important is because I need to first, if I want to innovate, if I want to think differently, create a new future, I need to start thinking, I need to be okay with whatever comes up in my mind that might not be great, you know, like I do have a creative background in the arts, so I have a graphic design degree. And what I realized when I was in the program and when I started doing art for clients and things was I had a lot of negative self-talk that would come up in my mind. Mm -hmm. Like, these are stupid ideas. What was so obvious. Nobody's going to like that. I don't like that. I'm going to flunk all this kind of negative self-talk. And I would just, at the time, I didn't really know what to do with it. So I just let it exist within me. I just let it kind of dwell and however it affected me was however it affected me. But as I grew in my career, I realized like those voices are not helpful at all. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they're not even true, you know? And so over time I learned to create a psychologically safe environment within. And so even though those thoughts may surface, I can talk to them and be like, that's not true actually. You know, those are just irrational fears that are coming up. It's just part of being human, but those don't need to exist. And so I need to first create a safe space for myself, but then also for the people I work with. So, you know, Greg, let's say you and I are a team. We're trying to innovate whatever topic it is. I need to make sure that you feel safe with me as an individual. So if you're coming up with something that you're fearful to share with me, I'm not going to be like, well, what a dumb idea. Oh, we've tried that before many years ago. Well, let me tell you five reasons why that's not going to work right now, Greg. You know, all those things. Oh, we've all heard those. Yeah, we've all heard that before, you know, and so that's not helpful for you. And so to me, one of the most important things to do in the innovation journey to even start it is to create a psychologically safe space for myself and the teams and the people that I work with. And so that's one of the curriculum that I have now in my series of, of curricula to, to really teach innovation to people. Yeah. Yeah. And again, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if we really could let that bleed out into the way that we be, uh, you know, with, with everyone, not just on project, just not on point, yeah. but uh, uh, you know, I, again, it, it comes back to that sense of, of, of building a relationship, as you said, with the voice, uh, the people supervising you, leaning into how what are the results here of uh, you know what, how are they more creative, how are they more innovative, and uh, and if I recall, you had a you, you sort of flipped that and said I really don't care what they what they create. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I work for two diff- very distinct innovation organizations. So State Farm. Um, we, we were kind of judged on return on investment. So like our leadership was interested in whenever we were coming up with an idea to kind of project what we thought, how much money could this make the organization? And honestly, we had no idea. So we were like, we are literally pulling numbers out of the sky, but just because you're asking us to, this is not grounded in any kind of reality. Sure, $1 million or what, you know, and when none of us ever felt good about that, because we have literally no idea. And but I get it, you know, that's a lot of times innovation is measured on output, what can it do for me? How much money will it generate for me? All that kind of thing. Uh, And no, nothing against State Farm leadership at all. But that's, it, it was just difficult for us to understand, especially at the front end where I sat was we're just literally finding out what the problem is. And we're like, Oh, I think we could solve this idea. So we don't have 
uh, an ability to have an educated hypothesis on what that could be. It would come later down in the process, but not where I sat. So I just thought it was a bit premature. Uh, Chick-fil-A and the way our innovation metrics were, or at least my team's uh, was measured was soft metrics. Like how many people came to events? How many one-on-one conversations did you have today about innovation with people or this month? Uh, how, how many people walked through the innovation center? How many rooms are being booked every month for innovation? And so it's a very soft metric, but it's a people metric. And it's, mm. and to me, that's always been my personal focus is how are we impacting the humans to help them think differently? So the one-to-one, and if you think about it from that lens, then the one-to-one conversations really matter. And it matters what events are coming out to or how often they're coming out to, how many people are actually learning this work as opposed to what it can do. And I, I, loved, I love the shift of taking the focus off of ROI or the output of innovation onto the input, which was the people. How are we setting them up for success? How do, are we shifting the narrative for them? And that's truly what I care about. I've always told people, they have, whenever one anyone's asked me, I'm like, I don't know. They're like, how has your, in, your innovation or the work you did with that team, how has it impacted the bottom line? I'm like, I don't know. I don't track it. And I, some people should. I don't. Uh, it's not important to me because I know that if I've shifted the person, if they think differently, that will undoubtedly impact bottom line. And I don't, if someone else wants to track that, great, but I don't need to because I know my impact's been made if that person is different, if they think differently, if they're applying a new approach in the work, if they're seeing new ideas and possibilities, then mission accomplished. We've done that work. And and I can and, and the way to kind of see that is in their language. How are they talking about things? Are they talking through possibility? Are they talking with an open mind, more and more open mind? Are they are they less talking about why things won't work and leaning into why things could work and you can see the subtle shift in the language and their, the personas and their gestures and their facial, you know, all that you can. Well, and the language itself, as as I was hearing you describe that, you know, innovate, play, create, these are verbs, not nouns. Yeah. If we're looking, if we're only looking for a return in the product, in the noun, in the thing at the end, then we're missing the point, aren't we? Hey, podcast listeners, my name is Larise Campbell, and along with my co-host, former Olympic bobsledder, Alicia Olson, I am so excited to introduce you to the Mother Pucker podcast, and if you love the Oilers like we do, you are going to love our show. It's just two gals who aren't afraid to drop the gloves and throw some hot takes about the boys in blue and orange. Whether you're a massive hockey fan like us, or just looking for some new voices talking about the Oilers' blue line, or lack thereof, we promise the show is for you. So subscribe now and tell your friends. It's time for the Mother Pucker Podcast. What are some of the qualities that people can identify with as innovators? So if I was, you know, again, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in for anybody listening, but I'm, I'm feeling uh, jazzed by this conversation. I'm feeling like there's hope for me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like okay, but but when I, you know, when 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 I say goodbye to you, I, I I'm curious to know what would you what would you invite me to reflect on within what what with within what's already within me. Yeah, and then potentially how I might begin to practice that um, that skill of innovation. Yeah, so if you're someone that's curious, if you are curious, if you're, you ask lots of questions, if you like to explore and see what's there and like, why is this and just, 
if you express curiosity, that is a trait of an innovator because innovators are highly curious people. You know, um, they are people that are open to possibilities. So if you're always like, oh, what if, what have you ever thought about this? Or could it be like this? Or why isn't it like this? You know, and just trying to think of new ways of doing things, you have quality of an innovator. If you enjoy solving problems, right? You know, I don't know if I, I've always, this has always been part of me, but like I, I remember way back when, before this even existed, I would wander through grocery stores and be like, you know, it's so hard to find like, specific products in the aisle like wouldn't it be nice if there was like a, a like a grocery gps where you could you know if you're looking for like a spice or something you could you know punch it in and poof and it tell you where to go i'm like this should exist right uh yeah. and so it, eventually that did uh i should have patented it when i was a high school student yeah, <laughs> but i yeah. didn't even know how to do that but you know people like solving problems you're always like oh there's always better ways to do something so if mm -hmm. that's you then then that's a trait of an innovator if you are someone that likes to experiment if you like to like tinker with things like oh, let's just see what happens if we try this thing and, and and you don't mind if it fails you don't mind taking the risk you don't mind if it doesn't work but you like to kind of get your hands in there and just see like what could be if we chew this that's a trait of an innovator if you're someone that likes to collaborate with other people right if you believe that there's other skill sets and uh experiences that other people have that you don't and you want to invite them into the conversation you want to collaborate that's another trait of an innovator because often innovators come up with these ideas and dreams that are so big they can't accomplish it on their own and they know that like, i can't do this by myself so that's that's another sign what if you are a visionary can you actually create a new future or envision a new possibility to be so if status quo and present is today and you could see a different possibility that's vision right that's visionary and so that that's part of it and you know i'd say another trait of innovators is that they're creative and by the way we're all creative right we've, we've just talked about that so that that is a part of a trait of innovators um if you like to learn if you're a learner i find that a lot of innovators are really love learning just because they love to learn to grow to develop their skill sets to develop their mind in new ways and so they're learners and so if I would hope that everyone listening today, including you, Greg, would say, I resonate with some or some or all of those things. And that to me was says to me, you have innovative potential. And that's, that's actually what I saw when I was at Chick-fil-A, I would have conversations with people and they'd be interested to talk to me about innovation. And we just have just chat, we just chat. And as we talked, I'd be like, Oh, I can smell innovative DNA in you. I could sense it from you. And, and then I could say, Hey, I have a program that you can join. Would you like to join? I'll teach you everything I know. And they're like, yes. And yeah. so I believe that I believe everyone listening to this call right now would, would think that, Hey, yeah, that sounds like me. I have some of that. And if yeah. you do, then you would love innovation, like to really lean into it. You'd love it. Yeah. And, and, and to me, as you began, I kept thinking, Okay, that's a child. Yes, that's a child. That's a child. Like <laughs> all, all of those things we began with, as you said, I think at the beginning yeah. of this conversation, we began there. It, it, you know, a, a child doesn't develop without an innate sense of curiosity, a desire to know, uh, and 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 how do we learn anything but through experimentation, trial, trial, mm. trial, trial, trial. Oops, that hurt. Error. Trial, trial. Yeah. Right. That's um, that's joyful. Again, 
to be able to resonate within lovely offer. What a lovely offer. And especially in, in a time in our history when there's so many reasons or at least pressures to make us feel we should close in, close in, close mm. in, protect, protect. Don't look to the future. The future is dire. But I'm hearing you say the future is in the next moment, not necessarily the next millennium. It, I mean, yeah. it, both of these, it's a, it, it, that to me is where the, where the opportunity for innovation to feed us and our health physically, mentally, spiritually, all of that, that sense of, uh, um, if we can imagine the possibility, then there's a future that's yeah. worth leaning into. And that's wonderful. Yeah, I uh, think it's, I think innovation is inspiring. Uh, I think it's, it's like, imagine that you can create the future that you want to see tomorrow. If you can envision the possibility of it, then you can see that come to fruition. And that's what innovation is. That's why it's just transforming ideas into value. Like, so we don't just sit with the ideas and they're just floating around. It, it is actually manifested into reality. That's the process of innovation is to actually see that idea come to life. Otherwise, it's just floating around and, you know, that's just an idea then, right? And so I think it's, and then I love that you just mentioned about returning to our childlike self or it, it, what you resonated with is that those are childlike quantities. I, I kind of like to say I've never grown up, you know, I, I, uh, I'm like a big adult kid. Uh, you know, my wife and I don't have children and I'm like, well, she's got one, but I'm a big kid, not in a childish sense, but in a childlike sense of, you know, I, 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 so I'm sure some of the folks listening uh, will remember Toys R Us. It's like, I don't want to grow up. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. And I'm like, in some ways, I've always kind of stuck to that. Like, I don't, I don't want to lose the essence of childlikeness and, and playing and exploration and, and, and fun, right? Child, children just enjoy the process of doing whatever it is that they're doing. They immerse themselves and they just, it's so joyful. And so I never want to lose that as an adult. Uh, yeah. and, and I think it, it, some of us do lose that over time, which is sad. But but we do, do we lose it or do we just lock it into a closet or push it behind? Mm. It, it's still there. And, and, I'm, I, and I'm feeling that sense of energy in this conversation that that means we just have to dig a little deeper, cull yeah. through some of that stuff and give it some attention and light, some, some, yes. to provide them. And, and what a, what a great segue, uh, not intentional for me to drop the word child, but where you took that, that sense of playfulness, looking over your shoulder, I see Lego child again. What, what, what is Lego serious play? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I like to, for, for the adult listeners, I like to say it's the adult version of Lego. And the reason why I say that is because it is used for outcomes. And I like to say it's a powerful business tool that you've probably never have heard of because we tend to think of Lego as a child's toy. Mm -hmm. And while the product is, Lego Serious Play is utilized to converse with one another. So right now we're talking with our mouths, right, with our voices. When you use Lego Serious Play, you're conversing through Lego. So you are not... So untraditional, you know, Lego, you're given not all the time, but you're given instructions on how to build something with Lego serious play. The answer that you build comes out of your own creativity. It comes out of from your own person. So I can ask, for example, what's a strength that you bring to your team? And your response would be a Lego serious play model. So you might add, maybe you add a bunch of eyeballs on and you're like, I love to collaborate with people and I'm a really great collaborator. I love to pull them in. And, and so you actually use storytelling and metaphor yeah. uh, 
and you will say this piece, this red piece means this, this green piece means this. My Lego figure's arms are up because I'm really excited and I'm a very excited person, uh, you know, those types of things. So you actually add meaning to the pieces. So it's a little bit different from traditional Lego in the sense that you are expressing yourself creatively through a 3D form that happens to you, Lego, as a vehicle of play. And it's called serious play because you actually are doing real work. You're actually thinking deeply about topics. I was actually with a client last week and we did a Lego serious play uh, uh, exercise. And she's like, you're really making us think here. And I'm like, yeah, we are thinking through Lego today. We are using this as an expression of our voices, but in a kinesthetic way that has deeper meaning, that is more connecting and fun and serious and all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and as as you know, my background in arts education, again, let's let's devise something out of nothing or out of an object and mm -hmm. and and put that object with another object or a line of poetry and and trust that something new will emerge. I mean, if we if if we all could hold on to that and build on that and embrace it, and it sounds like that's that's very much at the at the, the core of your mission with uh, when did when when did the four-letter word play become the four-letter word work with such incredibly differing um, yeah. essence? Yeah. 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 I, I, I think I've always wanted to enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, maybe it's, it just came out of my, my gut of like, I, I believe it's important to enjoy and have fun with what we're doing. And so play has to be a component of that because play it allows enable is one of the vehicles by which that can be expressed. And um, the founder of Chick Fil A, his name was Truett Cathy. He had this slogan or phrase that he used to say when he was alive, and it was, "If you're not having fun at work, you're not doing it right." And he was, I never got to meet him, but he was notoriously known for play. Like he would do all sorts of these sort of. Uh, antics around the Chick-fil-A campus where uh, I heard of a story where he had he had the access to the Batmobile, for example. I don't know why, <laughs> but I think he had he was a car collector. So I think he either owned it or he rented it or whatnot. And he one day drives it to the, the campus, dresses up like Batman. And people are like, what on earth is going on? And he's just just like just like a young like a kid just at play, just enjoying and you know, it was such a, what a wonderful tone to set for an organization that it, this is not just okay, it's celebrated to, to play and you can have fun in, when you're at work and play actually enables so much for us when we're think we want to think differently because the form of play, there's no right or wrong. There's no one set way to do it. There's unlimited possibilities and it really breaks down some of the barriers that can hold us back. So play in and of itself is wonderful because it allows us to explore in different ways and gets us out of all the cerebral part of us and that that analyzes things and it just allows us to be in the moment and express ourselves and see what could be and so play is wonderful i want to bring this to a close with a with a question inviting you into an imaginary future mm. so and and as you said if one of the key attributes of of an innovator lies in that ability to see possibilities to to look beyond the limitations and see what might be you know I want to I want to ask or invite you to take a moment and imagine into your future, Leo. Um, hmm. And from that vantage point, however far into your next steps, what what do you, what do you see, imagine, and celebrate as possible for you? 
That's a that's a lovely question, Greg. I I'm excited for the work that I'm doing and a grand vision that I would love to see is this message or the the ability to innovate becomes normal for people. So just like just like reading is normal today for people, right? Innovation becomes that narrative and and people are not held back by it can only be a certain way that we're inviting possibility again into what we envision and we celebrate uh, each other and the diversity that uh, all of us bring and the joy and the fun and the play and bring creating workplaces that are engaging and exciting and people want to be there and you know to for professional work to feel exciting for many people i don't i don't know if that's true for everybody and and i'd love to see that and i think i've been so surprised by the power of what innovation can do for not just people but for organizations and when we lean into it and we learn how to enable and just just let people do do and just watch it's just kind of going back to our conversation about the return on on people on the on the human side of things i think we'll see a wonderful future for all the work that we're doing and i would love for the business that i'm doing to help be uh, a, a if it's a flag holder or pioneer to in, to see that vision come to life that's that's what i would envision thank you for the question well and th and thank you for that reflection because uh yeah yes you and i when we first met we immediately felt like there was there was a kismet here there was a, a real mm -hmm. connection and and we share that and and the and i offered that to you to say i suspect that there's a whole lot of people uh not just listening but 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 within within the the ripple um of what what you're offering uh who 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 understand and hold that yeah. to be true and important as we move forward. So thank you very much for that. And thank you for this conversation. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be here today. For more information on Leo and his work, please check out his website at aboundinnovation.ca. The Ellipses Thinking Podcast is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network and is produced by Greg and Jordan Dowler-Coltman. The show's theme music has been generously provided by Jordan Hart. And if you're interested in learning more about the ideas behind Ellipses Thinking, please visit dowlercoltman.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over 10,000 years, their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space. <laughs>